okay, I didn't know there was a drag queen epidemic, but I do know it's a gun violence epidemic. And I am quite aware that gun violence is the leading cause of death of children in this country. And so can you say like, you know, focusing on the things that don't matter, as my mom used to say, majoring in the minors and minoring in the majors, that's what makes a culture war so dangerous. Like none of this is meaningful reform. None of this is going to help America be great again or good again or not the laughing stock of the world. None, none of this legislation is moving the needle in the right direction. It's all of this performative, you know, antics about culture and wokeism and this and that. And meanwhile, people are losing their civil liberties liberties and we're not even getting to the real issues. Hey mamas, I'm Ardenia, host of Motherhood is Political. I'm your progressive BFF with the T on mom life, politics, and culture. And mamas today, this is going to be a little bit more of a conversation, right? Normally when I do podcasts, I am coming with the notes and the stats and the research, and I love a good stat. If y'all have had an opportunity to tune in, you know that I like to do my homework. Uh, no exception here, but today I'm going to be having a conversation about some of the dumbest pieces of legislation that have passed recently, and it is something that has really been on my heart to talk about. There's been so much going on in the world, and you know we had a lot to unpack during midterms, uh, during that election season. Tune in for some of those uh, earlier episodes as well. But I just wanted to kind of pop in with an update because I know, you know, you mamas are inundated. We are so tired of like news overload and information overload. And I wanted to let you know what is going on across the country. And I want to be very clear that just because something is not happening in your state today does not mean that it will not happen in your state tomorrow. Okay, so for those moms like me who may live in traditionally blue cities, but those blue cities are in a red state, you need to pay very close attention because what happens in one state will often replicate or be copied in another state, right? Like it has a tendency uh, to set the precedent and spread. And so today we are going to have a conversation about Mr. Ron DeSantis and his Stop Woke Act. That is actually the name of the piece of legislation. Now, woke is an acronym. I actually didn't know that it was an acronym. I thought he was just, you know, because he's clearly anti-woke. But woke stands for wrong to our kids and employees. I think it's like a really dumb acronym, actually. Like, it's not very imaginative at all, but hey. Um, but basically what the Stop Woke Act is, it is a way to make sure that uh, the state of Florida is moving you know, from center or center right to hard right. So this is his, you know, way of making sure that he is very clear to his constituents and to everybody who is watching as he places his bid for president that he is showing up as a super far right conservative. And so the Stop Woke Act is basically designed to, um, how do I put this delicately? I probably won't, um, whitewash history to practice what we call revisionist history and to basically erase anything that might be deemed objectionable, um, biased, or make someone feel uncomfortable. So it's not about telling the truth about what happened in American history. It's not about having an honest dialogue about, you know, anything that happened during Reconstruction or the Civil Rights Movement or America's very uh, complicated history with race and culture and that kind of thing. It's not here to talk about what happened with Asian Americans, you know, after World War II. It's not here to talk about what happened with the Mexican Revolution. 
we're not going to have that conversation. Uh, the Stop Woke Act basically wants to silence conversations that have anything to do with culture, with diversity, with equity and inclusion. Now, um, recently you may have heard that DeSantis was key in blocking the AP African-American history class. And so AP obviously stands for advanced placement for a lot of parents who have kids in high school. Your, your kids may be taking advanced placement classes or you may have heard of that. Well, the college board who administers that created the first African-American AP class. It was historic, y'all. There have been other cultural uh, classes similar to that, but none uh, really focusing on the history and rich culture of African-Americans as a history and as a course of study. And so DeSantis decided, you know what, we don't want AP African-American studies taught here. His specific words, as I recall, is that it lacks educational value. And so what happened was the college board went back and said, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll tweak it so that it, you know, has educational value. And so, again, pretty much the idea of the Woke Act is everything that highlights contributions or really even the really difficult parts of African-American history or people of color in this country is kind of moved to the margins. And we talk about history in the broader context, but not in the context of, you know, uh, systemic racism or systemic bias or prejudice or redlining or racial profiling or any of those things that legitimately happen throughout the course of American history. And so because there is so much happening with this bill and because there are seven principles that he outlined, I don't even want to paraphrase them. I want you to bear with me and I want to actually read what the seven principles of the Stop Woke Act are. Hey mamas, be sure to subscribe to my podcast, Motherhood is Political, to stay informed and fill your cup. You don't want to miss it. They are... Number one, members of one race, color, national origin, or sex are morally superior to members of another race, color, national origin, or sex. So in other words, they don't want kids feeling like one race is superior to the other. Now, that's not what AP African American History is about. It says nothing about the superiority of one group to the other. But that's what number one is. Number two says, a person by virtue of his or her race, color, national origin, or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. So according to Ron DeSantis, when you teach American history and black history as it actually happened and not revisionist history, you're telling people that they're inherently racist. Now, that's not at all what critical race theory is about. I invite you to tune in to the episode where I in detail unpack what that means. What it means is you talk about systemic bias. The interesting thing here is that systemic bias and individual bias are two completely different things. What critical race theory talks about is the system that is in place to perpetuate racism. It is not trying to necessarily address anybody's individual bias or prejudices, but because they want to create a boogeyman, um, that is what they are saying. Number three, that a person's moral character or status is either privileged or oppressed. Uh-oh. Okay. So what he basically said is privilege does not exist. OK, he said racial privilege, as we've defined it, nobody has privilege. OK, now 
Once again, I don't want this to just be a reference, but y'all, I had a whole conversation in an episode about privilege. And not only do white people have it, but people of color can have it, and people with money can have it, and good-looking people can have it. There are so many different forms of privilege, it will blow your mind. Privilege is something that is built into society, and it is something that if we are really honest about it and address it, we can recognize that many of us have privilege, and really it's just about having an honest conversation. But privilege is a bad word. Number four, members of one race, color, national origin, or sex cannot and should not attempt to treat others without respect to race, color, national origin, or sex. I mean, basically, it's just kind of a repeat of what was said before. But no, they don't want anyone singled out for their race, even though kids of color are routinely singled out for their race. But to call attention to that is to be in and of itself racist, because according to the DeSantis model, Racism isn't racist, but talking about racism is racist. The irony, right? Okay, number five, a person by virtue of his or her race, color, national origin, or sex bears responsibility or should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment because of actions committed in the past. Oh, y'all, this gets so good. I love when people tell me to forget that slavery happened. Like, I love to have conversations and debates with people who want to dictate to me that people of color, people of African descent and other people from marginalized communities need to shut up about the very real bias that has happened. You know, again, if we just do a little bit of homework, if we just have a genuine conversation about what it means to be a person of color in this country, if every American was required to understand the basics of slavery and Reconstruction and Jim Crow, I promise you we would be a radically more empathetic society. Instead, we want to pretend like it didn't happen. It was a long time ago. I don't know any slaves. My parents didn't own any. My grandparents didn't own slaves. And as my daughter says, who is almost 12 years old, not owning slaves is not a flex. Like if that is the bragging point that your ancestors or your grandparents didn't own slaves, that's ridiculous. But it also assumes that those folks were not a part of the system or perpetuating racism, bias, etc. And that is just false. So this idea that people of color must pretend like things did not happen in order to appease another group of people who wants to ignore the facts is just ridiculous. And again, that is how history repeats itself, okay? Number six, a person by virtue of his or her race, color, national origin, or sex should be discriminated against or reverse, I'm sorry, or received adverse treatment to achieve diversity equity and inclusion. You knew it was coming, right? You knew it was coming. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. That is the boogeyman. Everything today is about minimizing the need for diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you hear it come up, you will hear politicians talk about it. You will hear leaders talk about it. Folks are starting to campaign against it. So the very idea, right, of the United States being a melting pot, of this country being a sort of um, amalgamation of a lot of different cultures and ethnicities and people from all over the world, the thing that makes America great in the first place is being demonized. And so now diversity is under attack. Um, it is no longer cool. Um, it is actually, you know, woke and you don't want to be that. And so this attack on diversity, equity and inclusion is real. So I want you to start paying attention and be on the lookout for that. Number seven, a person by virtue of his or her race, color, sex or national origin bears personal responsibility for and must feel guilt. I'm not going to read the rest of number seven because we're going to stop right there.
And so basically this is what this boils down to. We can't talk about the history of racism and culture in this country or else it will make certain people in this country feel guilty. And oh my God, we don't want people to feel guilty. We don't want people to feel bad about the inhumane treatment of other people. That would just be preposterous. And so what this boils down to is, you know, we don't want to make people feel bad. And if telling the truth means if folks have to sit in that uncomfortability and face the real hard facts about, you know, what it took to build this country, then we can't have that. So what we'll do is we'll live in fairy tale land, we'll, we'll live in la-la land, and we will pretend like everything is just and equal and fair. And then when someone raises their hand to point out something to the contrary, we will not only call them out, but we will call them woke and we will demonize them. And we will basically silence them so we can continue this charade that America is fair and free, right? Like that's basically the gist of it. Number eight, such virtues as merit, excellence, hard work, fairness, neutrality, objectivity, and racial colorblindness are racist or sexist or were created by members of a particular race, color, national origin, or sex to oppress members of another group. Don't let all the words and syllables distract you, okay? They, they use a lot of words here to basically say that America is a meritocracy. And so if you want to succeed in this country, just be good at what you do. That's it. That's all it takes is being good. All it takes is being talented. Now, we're not going to talk about people of privilege who succeed and excel uh, with mediocrity because it happens every single day. Um, that's not a conversation we're going to have. We're going to have a conversation about the fact that America is built on meritocracy, lies, and that America is built on systems of fairness, also lies, and that the deck is not stacked against certain groups of people uh, based on their country of origin or based on their national background or ethnicity. We all know that that is patently false, right? But that is the idea. And so if we say it enough, right, and if we say it loud enough, then maybe we can convince enough Americans to believe that the sky is purple or maybe it's orange, right? Like, you know, we can convince people that right is wrong and wrong is right. And that is essentially what's happened. And so I want you to be very mindful I feel like we're in a constant election cycle, y'all. It's 2023, but I feel like the election cycle never stops. The midterm elections are just over, and now we're already talking about 2024. Understand, mamas, that this upcoming election is going to be about the culture wars. That's it. That's it. You will hear this much on policy, and you're going to hear this much on culture, okay? So like Silicon Valley Bank, you may have recently heard of, uh, was just shut down by regulators whole kind of uh, mess over there that's happening, all kinds of shenanigans. But Ron DeSantis's take was, well, you know what? This bank failed because they took their eye off the ball because they were so focused on diversity and equity and inclusion that the bank failed. So now it's not fiscal malfeasance. It's not the fact that the CEO, you know, sold shares and, you know, got money right before. It's not the fact that folks were panicked about the bank's collapse. They were too focused on having too many people of color and other folks on the board. Like, imagine, imagine the idea that a bank failed in California because they were trying to be diverse and inclusive. There is no, uh, you know, that is not warranted. That's not founded. No one has found this to be true. As a matter of fact, conversely, for those of you all who may be confused, Diversity and equity and inclusion actually strengthens companies. When you have diverse voices at the table, when you have people who don't all look alike, when you have diverse um, ideas in terms of thought and background and culture and history and perspective and age and gender and all of that, you have a better company. 
monolithic companies do not perform as well. Companies where everybody look the same do not perform as well. Companies that lack diversity will lose market share eventually because they're going to leave money on the table because America, like it or not, is becoming browner. And so I want to just kind of wrap up with an understanding that when this is a culture war. And what happens in America is whenever we start to move a little bit to, you know, a place of being more progressive, whenever we get to a place where America starts to be inclusive, like, you know, electing a black president, it's going to be a hard pendulum swing all the way back over to the other side because there's a core of people in the United States of America who are uncomfortable with change. Let's just call it what it is. Folks want to call it woke and folks want to call it this. Y'all, there's a group of Americans who are scared shitless about America becoming browner and America changing and America becoming more liberal. Like it is something that scares them so much that they make up boogeymen and, you know, decry about critical race theory and all these other things because they are holding on so tight Okay, to this idea of American exceptionalism and a certain group of people being in charge. There is literally no other logical explanation. You go from Barack Obama to Trump. Like, how much of a swing is that? That's a major correction. And the correction was about a group of Americans being holistically uncomfortable. We can argue the merits of the Obama presidency. Oh, it was his policy. Oh, it was this. Oh, it was that. But with Trump, what policy? Like, it, it can't just be about policy. It also has to be about personality. And so I want you to be very clear that we are living in very, very dangerous and tenuous times. We are talking about whether or not America is going to work, whether or not the Republic is, Republic is going to work, and whether or not we will have a actual functioning democracy when this is all said and done. People are trying to roll back and repeal stuff like from beforehand like women have fewer rights people of color will have fewer rights but you know you will look up and before you know it everyone will have fewer rights and let me also say this for people who are a little bit confused women can be just as misogynistic as men okay so if you are seeing states where women are supporting decidedly anti-woman legislation, please know that women can be active participants in the subjugation and discrimination against other women. It happens all the time, all right? So I, I just wanted to say that little bit of a disclaimer. Also, there's another really stupid piece of legislation I want you to you know, have on your radar. Tennessee just passed what they call the anti-drag queen legislation, which essentially prohibits drag queen performers from, you know, basically being in the vicinity of children. I don't know when they would be in the vicinity of children, but supposedly it's supposed to mimic um, the same legislation that keeps strip clubs from being within like a thousand feet of a school or what have you. But understand that it's always an agenda here, right? And it's always about the slow deterioration of liberties and freedoms. And so we have children who are being gunned down in fourth grade. We have children who are being slaughtered at school. We have children who can't go, uh, you know, to class or parades. We have families who are being assaulted by gun violence and the focus is on drag queens. Okay, I didn't know there was a drag queen epidemic, but I do know it's a gun violence epidemic. And I am quite aware that gun violence is the leading cause of death of children in this country. And so can you say like, you know, 
focusing on the things that don't matter, as my mom used to say, majoring in the minors and minoring in the majors, that's what makes a culture war so dangerous. Like, none of this is meaningful reform. None of this is going to help America be great again or good again or not the laughing stock of the world. None, none of this legislation is moving the needle in the right direction. It's all of this performative, you know, antics about culture and wokeism and this and that. And meanwhile, people are losing their civil liberties liberties and we're not even getting to the real issues crime gun violence recession or impending recession eggs being six dollars moms being out of work you know homelessness being out the chart you know violence being you know an epidemic um you know the fact that you know our borders all of this like all of these things are taking a back seat to this perceived idea of a culture war Okay. And so I just wanted to pop in with that. I know this is a bit of a rant. I had to vent today because whenever I see dumb legislation on TV, I'm just yelling at the TV and I want to have a conversation with mama because I need you to understand what's at stake. So I know that there's an endless election cycle. I get that you are tired of politics because I am tired of it as well. I understand that you would probably rather have a root canal than have another conversation or watch another, you know, debate uh, between, you know, two politicians talking, but it is so important y'all like what your kid learns in school is being impacted by this dumb legislation it, it's being impacted what your kid is understanding about history is being impacted by this dumb legislation the rights that your little girl or your niece or your baby or even yourself mama that you have or don't have is being impacted by this legislation and understand that what happens in one state there will be copycat legislation in other states, right? And so one will set the precedent, and then every other state that kind of believes and has a similar ethos and philosophy and values, those will follow suit. And what I want you to know is that they're banking on your apathy. They're banking on the fact that you're not going to show up at the polls. They're banking on the fact that you were tired of the news and you're going to turn it off. And this is when you have to kind of tune in and lean in. Make sure you understand what is happening, even in other states. Make sure that you are very clear on what these politicians' values are. Make sure that you, you know, have a very keen understanding of the direction that certain people are trying to move this country in. Y'all, you, you know, you, you better be aware and you better understand what is happening because there is so much at stake. So just popping in today with dumb legislation that has recently passed, I wanted you to be aware. I wanted you to be informed. Uh, and I wanted you to really understand, you know, what role that we play in this as moms and how to use our voices, right? So, you know, if it's giving to an organization, if it's writing a check or sending $20 to a cause you care about, if it's volunteering for a campaign that means something to you or you know if it's just basically giving the little old lady down the street a ride so she can practice and exercise her right to vote whatever way you choose to participate and show up just please do it okay just just please do it because I cannot take another four years of dumb legislation and politicians who are completely tone deaf to the changing America and what you know, average everyday American moms and families need. Okay. So I'm going to stand 10 toes down on that. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. You can call me woke or you can call me whatever. I, I like to call myself informed um, and not fooled uh, by the propaganda. And I don't want you to be either. All right, mamas. So tune in, stay tuned. I want you to circle back. If you have questions, you know, come and comment. I know this episode is going to get so much feedback. Folks love to show up in my comments talking all kinds of craziness about 
you know, racism and bias and the culture wars and blah, blah, blah. And they always have stuff twisted. But I'm going to always represent for my mamas who understand that inclusion is always better than exclusion, that diversity is always better than being a monolith, and that the United States of America is better as we, you know, embrace cultural diversity and not the opposite. I am inviting everybody who is not scared of America's changing landscape to show up and show out uh, and to prove to people that the ones who are holding on to a bygone era of America are basically, you know, with the past and we're about the future. Okay, mama? All right, so we will see you next time. As always, I want you to take really good care of yourself. Make sure you fill your cup and remember, motherhood is political. Bye. Head over to AskGardenia.com where you'll find useful resources and tips for busy moms on the go.